Football season will be here quicker than you think. When planning your football trips, we know that one of the biggest pains is arranging your pregame tailgate party. This season, let GridironTailgates.com take care of all of your tailgating needs. They provide everything for your large private party, including a private party tent, tables, satellite TV, catering, a personal bartender, and setup and takedown. Visit GridironTailgates.com and enter promo code PAC12, P-A-C-1-2, to receive 10% off your group's next tailgate or call 303-359-5328. GridironTailgates.com are here to make your tailgate experience easy, affordable, and enjoyable. Again, that phone number is 303-359-5328. GridironTailgates.com. Enter code PAC12. Now available in more homes than the PAC12 network, we are the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the podcast of champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we are the Podcast of Champions, talking Pac-12 football through the long offseason. It's May. There's not a lot going on in the football world, Dave, but look, here we are with dozens of questions from the Pac-12. What do we what do we call our listeners? <laughs> Are you going to call them the Pac family? The Pac family. <laughs> Maybe that's a, uh, that, uh, Wow, we need a we actually do need a name for that. Yeah. What would it be? Is it the <clears throat> the Pockers? The Posers? I I don't know. Um that, let, let's open it up to everyone suggest you guys have not been shy about emailing us or tweeting us or texting us so send us what you think you you guys should be called and i, I mean i'm i was shocked at the response i looked at the questions there's a ton so this is going to be a mailbag show dave because there's just too many questions there's way too many questions and i'm trying to see here i'm going to look at the stats to see what our uh listenership was last week because it makes me think it wasn't that crazy it was like a, a hair under four thousand, which is pretty good for our off-season shows right now yeah. but that's not – that's nothing crazy. You people are nuts. Yeah. You people are nuts. Um, this is going to be a great show. I'm riding on approximately four and a half hours of sleep. Perfect. Um, been up for 13 hours. Things are good. Things are great <laughs> over here. So this is going to be a, a, a real bang-up show. Well, if for the people out there, if you do want to email us because we've been get, we're getting a lot, um, you can do that. Pac12podcast at gmail.com. We've got probably the most emails we've ever got between shows, even during the season. You can tweet us. There's been a lot going on on our people getting in arguments on our Twitter line, our Twitter timeline and stuff at Pac12podcast. If you want to text us, we've got a bunch of texts this week too, or even leave a voicemail if you want. The number is 424 532 0678. And as always, Pac12podcast.com is our website. All the contact information is there. And all of our old uh, shows, I don't want to say old, but all our archive shows are all there uh, as well. And it's 
We had to get a show in. You know, Dave, we were texting midweek. Dave actually initiated this one because we got Memorial Day weekend mm-hmm. coming up. I'm going to be out of town. I don't know what you're doing, Dave, but we had to get a show in. We had to do this. We found the right time. We've got a lot of questions to dive in, shall we? Yeah, let's uh, let's go in. And I guess before we jump into those, we always got something right. Um, so we had uh, we were talking about the game day experience from last week, right? That was one of the uh, one of the topics. Yes, and absolutely. We, I I actually right after the show asked all of the publishers on our email chain. Uh, got two responses. <laughs> so we, <laughs> so if you're if you're in Seattle, you're going to go to Seattle, you're in Washington or Colorado. We got, we got you got something for you today. But otherwise, no one else responded. So uh, and we did get a text from an Oregon fan too. So we'll we'll read those and then we'll jump into the questions. Um, so Chris Fetters was first. He said, from Washington's perspective, the Huskies have always handled their in-state rivalry pretty. Wait, am I screwing this up? This is I think about you're screwing this up. I am screwing this up. This isn't about the game day experience. No. <laughs> way, way to let me just go on, Dave. So what is was this I, one? Am I the one who's uh, who's on four and a half hours of sleep, or is that you? That no, I'm I'm getting I'm going uh, camping Catalina this weekend, which I've heard you've never been. Um, yeah, so, yeah. No, I I, I spent um, thirty years in uh, Los Angeles basically living in Los Angeles and I never once set foot on Catalina Island. Nice. Yeah. Well, it's great. I'm going to camp there this weekend, so my brain is pretty much on the island already, so I apologize in advance. Good thing I'm going to have to read like 20 questions on this thing. So this was about which programs gave other programs a hard time. And is that right? Maybe. I have no idea what you email these people. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I think what we were talking about was uh, the question that came in was like for UCLA, like who does UCLA have trouble with? Who do they typically have great success over? Um, And we talked. So we talked about USC and UCLA. And I asked some of the other publishers uh, what they thought. So, man, I really screwed that one up. So we did a game day experience one, too, I think. Right. That We might have had a question. about. We got some responses to that. Okay. uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to all of that, but let's read your stuff first. Let's okay. get into this. So this is, so my question to the publishers, from Washington's perspective, the Huskies have always handled their in-state rivalry pretty well. They're 8-1 and one, the last nine versus Washington State, and the last time WSU beat UW while ranked was 1997. 71-32-6 series record attests to the overall dominance, too. Same actually goes for Utah as well. Washington is 10-1 against the Utes all time. The team that has been Washington's kryptonite since the series began in 1975 is Arizona State. Washington has losing uh, series records against three teams in the conference, USC, UCLA, and Arizona State. The Huskies are 16-19 and all-time versus the Sun Devils and haven't won in Tempe since 2001. Wow. Wow. And it took a John Anderson field goal as time expired to get that win. Something about playing in the desert has never sat well with UW. It's all the sunshine. They're just not used to that I stuff. I bet, yeah. Even though they have a combined 37-30-1 and one record against the Arizona schools, they are 16-19-1 on the road. So that's from Fetters. Interesting. Uh, and that actually was born out last year when Washington lost on the road at ASU. And it was a pretty big surprise. Yep. Um, Very cool stuff from Fetters there. Yeah. That was a much better answer than I think either of us provided last week. For sure. And, well, he had actually had facts. Yeah, he had, like, details and things. I had, like, I don't know. They lose to everybody, and sometimes they win. I don't know. 
Well, at least you, you know you set it. I didn't even set it up right. I set it up for some different question that we didn't. Well, even yeah, get. yeah. Well, that was. I mean, let's not even get into that again. Yeah, that's me. Uh, and then we had Adam Munster Tiger for Colorado. He said, aside from 2016 when it won the South, Colorado has finished in last place in the division the other six seasons since joining the Pac-12. Okay, so first once, and last place six times. That's, I didn't even realize that. So it shouldn't come as a big surprise that Buffaloes haven't found consistent success against a lot of other teams in the conference. Cal is the only team the Buffs have a winning uh, conference mark against. And until this past November, every game between Colorado and Utah, since both joined the South, was decided by a touchdown or less. So even when the Buffs fielded some really bad teams, they always put up a fight against the Utes. And in 2011, they played spoiler and beat Utah to keep them out of the title game. USC is the team Colorado has struggled against the most. The Trojans are 12-0 and all-time against the Buffs, and most of those have been in blowout fashion. So wow. good, good stuff. I, did you know that, that they finished last six times and first once? I mean, I'm sure I did, like, in, in, the, level, <clears throat> in the level that you, like, know something that, like, is very obvious, you know? Like, I didn't know the actual number, but, yeah, that sounds right. Um, the interesting thing there is, and I would love this, is – I think Utah has that experience with every team because that was my answer as well for UCLA is it feels like those games are always like three points this way or that way. Colorado has the same experience. I wonder if that's just true of every team that plays Utah, basically. Oh, maybe. Or more or less, you know, obviously some teams blow them out, but, um, or they, you know, that's, there's that one year they beat Oregon by like 90 points, but you know, here's a question for you, Dave, on that line. Would you rather be, a Colorado where you've won the South and the rest of the time you stunk <laughs> or Utah, you're always like second or third, but you never won the South. I mean, Utah, no question. Um, much, much more stable program right now. Um, but you've got to figure they're pretty desperate for that division title. But yeah, I mean, if Colorado, you know, I actually finally did like kind of I do a UCLA like season preview of all their opponents. So I finally did like a my own little dive into Colorado. Um, it's going to be tough this year. Um, and, you know, we'll do our full season previews later on and maybe stuff will change. But the schedule isn't great. They revive that Nebraska trip this year. And, you know, the conference schedule isn't that bad, but. It's going to be tough to get back to a bowl game. So if all you have is that one-year positive blip and then the rest is mostly losing seasons, yeah, I think I would take Utah's pretty much consistent, you know, seven to nine wins basically every year. Yeah, I would take that. Yeah, what if it was – what if you had swapped out Colorado? Didn't just win the division. They won the whole thing. They won the, the conference. No, then, then, then the calculus changes. I mean, if they won the conference and, you know, that – because that actually results in something pretty cool and – yeah, I think if that had happened, um, I think you would probably take the Colorado thing, but it's still not an easy call because Utah, uh, just it's been so much more consistent. And clearly, like that first year, I think in the league, Utah struggled a little bit just getting acclimated to the league. But then starting in 2012, they've been just pretty much consistently a tough out for everybody all year. Yeah. Um, well, do you want to read that text message then? Yeah, so this is about the other thing that Ryan thought those emails were about. Um, this is about the game day experience. Uh, this is from a uh, Oregon fan. He says, um, Oregon, or she says, I don't know. Who knows? We don't know gender. It's whatever. 
um, Oregon game day experience is to hit the bar at the Valley River Inn, then either walk the river or be dropped off depending on your condition at Kowloon's. It's half so-so Chinese food restaurant and the other half is a massive sports bar. And get the best slash worst egg rolls and do double fireball shots and three plus beers and walk into the game. So it sounds like it's very drunk when you go to an Oregon game. Um, And if game day is there and it's a late start, Glenwood is the best breakfast joint near campus as a warm up to the day. Okay. So if you're an Oregon fan and you are not an extremely heavy drinker, maybe let us know what you do. (laughs) Um, But uh, for the heavy drinkers, that's the way to go. So there you go. I wonder how they're the best and worst egg rolls. Um, greasy and big, but probably very, very, very terrible for you. Okay. That would be my guess what that means. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, so I think I confused. I saw that one. So that was something we were asking about as well. That was another one of those things that we were probably supposed to do research on and didn't do. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Could have been. Uh, but th- that's where we need your help. So it's, and I think Dave, you brought this up. We'd much rather hear from your point of view. And we might have even got an email last week about it. Like, um, I don't remember if we read it or if we, this was offline, but we talked about we're there, you know, in a press box. We're, we're not really getting the same kind of game day experience as you are. So it's much better to hear from you guys than from us. Yeah, absolutely. I would much rather hear all that stuff. And again, we tried to do this in a show last year and it was terrible. It was like the worst show I've ever recorded. I wanted to quit the podcast after it. Dang. Um, yeah. No, it was bad. I don't know if you remember. I think you've blacked it out. Um, <laughs> so we want to hear your thoughts about the different things to do before a game. Definitely not ours. Uh, Definitely not. We got to figure out what we did last week to solicit all of these responses because there's a, there's a lot here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we asked a couple of questions, and that's our first mistake. We asked people to provide their feedback and, and that's we got you know that's always that's always a mistake um you want to do the new slogans or you want me to do it i'll do it okay all right this is from shane new pack 12 slogans ryan thanks for all the hard work you put in on the podcast i think we all appreciate it hello dave <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, that's good. That's well I like done. That. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I put my marketing hat to work today and it came back with some good ideas to help brand the conference. Thank me later, Larry. And he's got some branding options here. Pac-12, the water polo of conferences. Athletically super impressive, but hardly anybody sees any of the action, and we struggle to keep our heads above water while getting pummeled in the areas that matter most. <laughs> that's, that's really good. Should that be our new slogan? Like for, for That's everything. really good. Should I? Should we re-record the intro and include that in there? I, I mean, how that has to be. We have to use that somehow. That's really good. That's really good, Shane. All right. Uh, Pac-12, the conference that last won a national championship in football when current recruits were two years old. These things just go in cycles. (laughs) 20-year generational cycles. All right, I like that too. Uh, Pac-12, I, for one, welcome our new Chinese overlords, crossing our fingers that they like watching on-demand amateur gymnastics webcasts on Twitter. If so, we're in luck. Uh, (laughs) Pac-12, despite having access to miles of affordable television studio and industrial office space within our footprint, as well as the globe's largest concentrated population of trained production talent begging for work, we built our offices and film studios in the fifth most expensive commercial real estate market on planet Earth. <laughs> Speaking of fifth, <laughs> hey, that's us. Shane, why don't well, you have your own podcast? Like, you, I think Shane should have his own podcast. You're better that's, than that's, us. Yeah, that's obvious. Uh, 
Pac-12, where champions play, sometimes. <laughs> Remember when Miles Simon messed up Lute Olsen's hair? Ah, classic. <laughs> uh, Pac-12, the conference championship truck racing, now available on Fox Business Channel. Check your local listings. Oh, you don't get that channel either? Maybe there's an app? Speaking of apps, it's Friday night, so there's likely a Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives marathon on. Just go watch that. Pac-12, the Stanford of athletic conferences, only not as good at football. <laughs> And Pac-12, we're by Las Vegas. I like and, of it. course, get ready to dust this one off in a couple years. Pac-12, <laughs> a wholly owned subsidiary of the Longhorn <laughs> Network. I mean. Uh, that was great. That was great. That was good. Strong, strong, strong work there, Shane. Um, water polo of conferences is definitely the winner there for me. Yeah. But I really liked the long-winded one about studio space. I mean, there's a lot of good there. A lot of good work. I think I need to include that one in our blog post. So I'll, I'll copy that. Yeah. I'll paste it into our blog post today. So when the, when the show goes up, you'll be able to read, uh, Shane's amazing comment there. Yeah. Um, all right. We got a sup fellas. This is Alex. This is really quick. Uh, Alex from Pasadena, pick three coaches. You'd like to have a beer with list first to third choice. Oh, geez. I'm assuming Pac-12 or just any coach. What do you think? I, let's just go Pac-12. Let's narrow it. It's a little bit easier that way. Yeah. Um, so, like, the obvious answer that a lot of people would go with here is Leach first. Yeah. But honestly, that'd be a little bit much for me. Really? You know? Like, just, like, having a beer with a guy. Like, I'd maybe go, like, partying with Leach. That'd be kind of fun. Like, doing so- – and he's – is he Mormon? Is he a practicing Mormon? You know, so Bruce Feldman, we, he knows him pretty well. I think they've had beers together. So I think he would have beers with you. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's probably Leach. Leach is probably the most sensible answer there. Yeah. I mean, just for entertainment value, the stories, like you, it's sort of a crapshoot. Like you're not, you know, he could be like, I think we talked about it the other week uh, when we had the Pac-12 like post-spring conference call he didn't seem to be in a very good mood. Kyle Bonagora had asked him like some question and he was just like, well, what do you think about it? And then Kyle gave his thoughts and Leach agreed with it. And then he went off and he just started. So I think it could be hit or miss, but I think the chance of it being a hit would be good enough that I would put him one. Yeah. And then, I mean, I, so let's just go through them all. Chris Peterson doesn't seem like he's a lot of fun doing anything. I wouldn't know. Yeah. I don't know enough about, uh, Jonathan Smith at Oregon State. I don't know him. And uh, Cristobal. Cristobal came from Miami. I like. I would. Do, uh, he, he, yeah, he might be down to party. He's so, my top Cristobal's three. in the conversation. Uh, then you've got Stanford and Cal. You've got David Shaw and Justin Wilcox. Justin Wilcox probably parties, right? I mean, if you're single, I would go with Wilcox. I think you know he's this young, good-looking guy. I think he would. He, he could be a great wingman. So I think he's someone you want to be with. Yeah, that's if you're single, he's definitely in your top three. Uh, David Shaw might be like fun in a really cerebral way. And it would be kind of interesting to see like how many beers it takes for him to get, you know, at all loose. Yeah. That'd be kind of interesting, but I don't know. I feel like I'd rather go wine tasting with Shaw. Yeah. Yeah. No, like a nice trip through Napa. Yeah. 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 For sure. Um, and then, all right. The LA guys, I think they would probably both be kind of clay seems like a good like dude to like you know go go get beers with maybe yeah you'd probably like go to church with him or something more than that you know yeah 
uh, and Chip Kelly is kind of a, a jerk. <laughs> so, but that can be fun. But like, he could I, be one-on-one good. I think he yeah, could be. exactly. And you loose him up with some beers. I mean, that could be fun in its own way. Like, not in the leech way, but it would be like you're yeah, trying to pick he'd his say genius some really, He'd say some really mean things about stuff. It'd be kind of fun in that way. Yeah. Um, and then you've got uh, Kyle Whittingham, who I think is a practicing Mormon, so I don't think you're grabbing beers with him. No, you'd go skiing with him or something, or, you know, or like wrestle bears, but not like go get a beer. Yeah, and then Mike McIntyre, uh, you know, kind of I feel the same way about that as I do about Chris Peterson, whatever. I would put – I. I'd rather do it with McIntyre than Peterson, but I don't know. You're just saying that because he's a little bit heavier, so you think he he drinks more. Yeah. That's all you're, that's what really all you're saying. (laughs) Um, And then, all right, so then the Arizona uh, schools, you've got, uh, I mean, how do you feel about someone? Okay. He might have a drinking problem. That's what, yeah. I've heard he likes the party, so I would probably put him in two. Yeah, but you, you're, you don't want to promote like yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm like I've got moral concerns there. I don't necessarily want him to you know fall off the wagon if that's something that's you know. A oh, key is part. he? Really, I don't know. I, I don't like, know. I I have no idea. Um, so I probably shouldn't even speculate. Um, yeah, someone might be fun. I've heard that you know he is a guy that does like to to have some libations and stuff. I didn't know if he, I hopefully if he's in recovery or whatever. You know, my apologies. I didn't. I, I don't know. know. I honestly don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah, uh, I didn't think then, that. I haven't heard that, but I I heard he likes the party. I would put him too. And then Herb and I, Edwards. And I just came back from Scottsdale a golf trip, and there's a lot of talent there. So you go out with either Herm or someone, you know, somewhere in Arizona. I think that would be fun. Herm Edwards. Okay, Herm. I've got my top three. You would put Herm three? I've got my top three. All right, hold on. Okay, so I'm going to do Leach, Sumlin. I don't think I can put Herm in there, but he would be really – I would like it, you know. Um. Well, who's your – okay, who's your top three? I'm going Leach. Um, I'm going to go Chip, and I'm going to go Herm. Nice. I think it'd be kind of fun with Herm, because he's he's he, he's he's a talker, right? If you're he gonna is. have a beer with somebody, you want somebody who's a talker, and he talks. Yeah, I think I could do that too. Uh, I think I could put Chip in there, but I I think I'll do. But I'm definitely putting someone, in and I'll put Herm too. Okay, all right. Is cool. that good I, question? I good think question. that works. Yeah, good good one there. Some good choices. Oh yeah, for sure. All right, this is from Stephen Salt Lake hypothetical matchup. Hey guys, thanks for answering my question last week about which teams UCLA and USC typically struggle against and have success against. Ryan, you mentioned that Stanford was always a difficult matchup for USC, starting with Pete Carroll versus Jim Harbaugh. Although this rivalry was short-lived, I loved watching Carroll's USC teams battle Harbaugh and Stanford. This got me thinking, which Pac-12 coaches that never faced off would you guys like to see face each other in a hypothetical matchup? How about Pete Carroll's Trojans versus Don James Huskies? Or maybe Urban Meyer in Utah versus Chip Kelly in Oregon? Or if we're really shooting for the stars, Rick Neuheisel's Bruins against Dan Hawkins' Buffaloes. <laughs> Dave, can you imagine the backlash if that game was preempted by truck racing? Thanks, guys. Ooh, this is interesting. Um, wow, yeah. So you I would do- say, honestly, the one matchup that we just missed that I would have liked to have seen is peak Chip Kelly versus peak Pete Carroll. Yeah. Uh, you know, the peak, those peak defensive, like, juggernauts that he had in, like, 
03 and 04, I want to say, versus like the Kelly machine from 2012. Because we saw that against Stanford, which had its own type of really stuff, tough and stout defense. But those USC defenses, I think, would have matched Oregon athletically. Yeah. Maybe a little bit better even. And that would have been really interesting to see. I think that'd be really good. Um, I think Urban Meyer versus any of like the kind of dynasty ones because we did, I don't remember Utah. Did they did they play like a Pac-12 power like that that undefeated season? I don't remember. I don't remember. Um, I don't. Let me. Let's just let's just look. Look it up and see. What about the? Um, who did Sark take over for at Washington that that went zero and twelve? What was that? That was. Uh, was that Willingham? Yeah, I think it was. The- <laughs> I'd like to see that 0-12 team take on like Gary Anderson's. Whatever, you know, we already saw that 0-12 team take on the 1-11 Washington State team that year, didn't we? <laughs> True. So that that's one of those dream matchups we got to see. All right. So that Utah team um, only played Arizona from the Pac-12, and they beat them by uh, 17. And that Arizona team went 3-8, and so not really a great test. Okay, so not the not the best best one there. Um, no, so um, yeah, that um, yeah. What is? I think we've already seen the most inept matchup in, in Pac-12 history, so I don't think we need to see another. Like we saw that Crapple Cup, as I think Ted Miller coined it um, in whatever year that was, 2007, I think it was. Okay, where it was where it was the awful Washington team versus the awful Washington State team. So. Um, yeah, I would, I, I think the Chip Kelly, Pete Carroll teams would be fun for me to watch. Um, but some of the old ones, like the Don James, uh, Huskies teams, I think that was a good one to kind of bring up maybe him versus, uh, the Oregon, you know, because you know, the, the peak Washington peak Oregon would be pretty good, you know? Yeah, that's true. I would like to settle the debate and just have Rick Neuheisel and Carl Durrell face oh. off with their respective UCLA teams, just to settle the debate once and for all, who was the worst UCLA coach of all time. Um, You know, and maybe like, even like, so I think some of the rivalry games where you revisit like, you know, peak Chip Kelly versus like, um, like when Oregon state went to the Fiesta bowl, like that, that sort of matchup or like a Pete Carroll versus, I don't know. What was it? The Bob Toledo with uh, Cade McNown when they won 20 something games in a row, like, Stuff like that, I think that would be kind of cool to to do. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, or well, like the that's... Utah, you know, Utah's undefeated season team versus like Colorado's national championship team. Um, I don't know. This ideas. Yeah, I think there's a lot of fun stuff out that, out there. If you have any good ideas out there that you would like to see, please let us know as well. Don't send them in. So, <laughs> no, kidding. just uh, just keep them to yourself. But like you know. Think about them. Yeah. Send us like ideas that you have, not that things that we need to research. If we That's what we would, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Though These are all good. I don't think there's a lot of like, tell me your top 45 uh, left guards that, okay. Um, so this one is from Thomas. Said, hi, Ryan and Dave. Uh, no long email this time. Just wanted to say that I think Dave played himself regarding my email about Larry Scott. He's not the only guy who stakes out positions he doesn't quite fully believe in strictly to be argumentative. I actually have mixed feelings about Scott personally. My belief is there are other people who have screwed shit up even more in this case, like Ahem, Dan Guerrero, 
But these folks seem to never get that much attention by the media. Well, they're also like not the highest paid conference commissioner in the in the world, but um, it it's in the in the country. But I don't know if the other places have uh, conferences. Whatever. Okay, it's always easy to blame the head guy for all the play all of the places woes, but everyone learns at some point in his or her career that doing so never solves the deeper structural issues at play. I know that Dave is a talented journalist. You, you mm, know that? I don't okay. know about that. I, That's that seems like a bold statement. It's a very debatable email here. Uh, <laughs> we we would never fall for such a load of crap having worked at the Daily Bruin. Uh keep up the good work guys. Thomas at Mr. TPSM. So can I can I real talk with you Ryan here? Sure. I don't quite know what email he's referring to because my memory stretches back like approximately 14 minutes. Um <laughs> uh, I think – so he is the one who was defending, or to an extent, Larry Scott. Yeah, I, think, I believe so. In a so, previous yeah. email, and I think we uh, – perhaps me. I think I, I'm draw, drawing a little bit of the ire here, it appears. Uh, we were we were perhaps less than supportive of that position. Does that seem like an accurate that, assessment? Yeah. I don't recall specifically either, uh, but that's that's my recollection of, of what was going on. But, I mean, I – you're the head guy for a reason. I mean, people make fun of CEOs getting paid crap loads of money, but like, and, and, you know, they get golden parachutes and all that kind of stuff, but you're the guy making the the main call. So if, if there's structural problems, deeper ones, you're the guy that's supposed to be able to fix that. Um, and now there's problems in the PAC 12 that you're not going to fix the time zone, you know, but there's, there's other things you can fix. And for what we're saying is it doesn't look like Larry Scott has been fixing those. And, um, you know, maybe making things worse than they actually need to be. So I, I don't think you could ever say the Pac-12 is set up to be the SEC, but it doesn't have to be fifth out of five. And they don't need to have, like the other email said, you know, the most fifth most expensive real estate on the planet. Let's put our studios there where all the talent that you need is yeah, yeah. like working around, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I guess where I'm confused with this email is I don't, like I, I think I'm the one who's probably more of Thomas's mind here because I, I don't blame Larry Scott for a lot of this stuff. I think a lot of it is on the athletic directors at the various schools making terrible, terrible coaching hires and all of that stuff. And there's a lot of performance stuff that I don't think Scott controls. I'm just, I, I think we've kind of settled on our thesis here is just stop with the self-inflicted wounds, right? Stop with like again putting your studios in the most expensive real estate market where there isn't a lot of the production talent that you can get for super cheap in LA like there's just so many things they could be doing that you just don't need to be doing these unforced errors to steal a tennis term for our man Larry <laughs> um, like it's just there's there's a lot of uh, there, there's just a lot of stuff they're doing that uh, just simple mistakes that add up um, but no, I, I don't think you can blame all of the Pac-12's issues on just Larry Scott. I think that would be a silly position to take, um, and I don't think it's one that either of us are advocating in any real way. And I, so Thomas, I believe, is a UCLA fan. My first reading, I thought, oh, did he also work at the Daily Bruin? I don't think that's the case, but did you get that impression that he might have worked there as well along with you? I don't know. I don't know. Thomas, did you work there at the Daily Bruin? Let us know. Did you work at the Daily Bruin, Thomas? I actually got the impression Thomas was a USC fan initially, so I don't know. I, oh. But 
I am basing that again off of a very faulty memory that really only goes with accuracy back about 14 minutes. Oh, that, I could be way off. But he mentioned Dan Guerrero, so I figured, okay, that's probably a UCLA guy. But Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Um, anyway, thank you, Thomas. Yeah. Sorry if we were a little snarky in response to your previous email. We had a, a text um, about the uh, slogans. So this was pretty simple. The Pac-12 Network, why watch what everyone else is watching? Uh, that was his slogan suggestion. How do you rate that one? It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, it takes a second to suss out the meaning. Um, but I think once you do, it's it's great. You yeah. know? This is a compelling reason why to watch. Why watch what everyone else is watching? Yeah, you want to be contrarian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of like that. I, I, I think it's a good use of the, uh, the text, uh, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that was really good. All right, this is from Chad. Uh, Left out of the quote-unquote super conference. Hey, guys. While I realize that I'm coming at this topic from a biased point of view, I do want to clarify a few things about the beeves before we, quote, 100% drop the beeves from this (laughs) conversation of even being worth consideration. They are holding their own in the Pac-12 in terms of NFL players. Third most active players in the secondary. Tied for fifth most on the D-line, tied for third on the O-line, tied for number two at QB, tied for number three at our, at running back. Also having guys playing at wide receiver, linebacker, and punter with some success, i.e. Brandon Cooks and Johnny Hecker. With regards to wins, I realize it's easy to reference only the last few extremely bleak years, but even with those on the ledger, Oregon State has more wins since 2000 than... Well, this actually blows my mind. Yeah, this this cannot be true. Oregon State has more wins since 2000 than Washington, Cal, Arizona, Washington State, and Colorado. Oregon State is only behind ASU by one win and UCLA by three. In my mind, and with numbers to back it up, it's not quite as clear-cut as they should automatically be out. That, Last thing. Terry is that Gray- possible? Since 2000. That can't be possible. Actually, if if I if I am shown Wikipedia that indicates that is true, I will disbelieve it <laughs> and think that you just edited it, and I will not check it. <laughs> I am entitled to my own facts, sir, and I will take them here. There's no way, but it's probably true. Like, Oregon State hasn't, like, think about some of those awful years Washington had. Uh, yeah. No, there's no way. There's no way. I'm just going to sit here saying there's no way as like the actual observable fact is like easily proven or not. And I'm just going to continue arguing against it. Well, that means one of us would have to Google it while we're talking and that's not. (sighs) And then we'd have to add Ryan. We would have to add. Think about all the adding you would have to do. Yeah. I know. I know. And you're an engineer. (laughs) I'm not. I was. I don't want to add. I was not told there'd be math. All right. uh, (laughs) Last thing. Terry Baker won the Heisman in 1962 for Oregon State and also is the only athlete to win that award and play in the Final Four in basketball. That's cool. That is pretty neat. I think I mentioned that Oregon State won a Heisman. I think I mentioned that in the show. Yeah. Yeah. As as like a a feather in their cap. but There you go. Um, uh, And then I appreciate the time and effort one of you puts into the show. (laughs) I believe you now, Chad. I believe you 100%. Uh, keep it up. Oh, that was good. I love that. I love that little dig at the end. It's good. Oh. <laughs> so we have to, maybe we'll tweet it out. Should we do that like right now? Like, um, you know, hey, does Oregon State really have more wins than Washington since 2000? Yeah, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweet that right now. Hold on. So. Tweet it at our man, Andrew, and see how quickly he responds. Oh, yeah. 
Hold on. Also, um, so uh, while you're tweeting that, I do want to share a quick quick aside. So you said the phrase feather in their cap, which is the correct phrase. It's very really? good. Excellent work there. Thank you. Carl, Carl Durrell, uh, UCLA's former um, illustrious head coach, was prone to the um, malapropism. I don't know if that's how you pronounce that word. It's, again, another one of those words that I've uh, only read but never actually heard said. Uh, where he would, you know, kind of like the George Bush thing, where you know he would he would use the wrong split metaphor. Okay. And he said at one point, um, "It's a feather under our belts." <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> think about how much that would tickle. Like, think no. about that. <laughs> Depends where under your belt. Uh, no, that's great. Oh, yeah. There's a lot going on there. I mean, it, you make things up like, you know, uh, does the Pope shit in the woods? You know, things like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. People in glass houses sink ships to steal one from Boondock Saints. Ah. Yeah. Um, I was listening to some nerdy podcast, and uh, I got one that was similar to that. So do you? it was about, like, uh, psychology and some... Uh, misconceptions that are like generally um, understood in society. Like, so if you say, uh, yeah, I opened this calculus book and you know, it's just, that's a steep learning curve. Um, a steep learning curve would be you learning faster. Like it's, you're, you're right. learning very quickly. So it's actually should be like a shallow learning curve. If you're saying what you're trying, you're applying is this is something difficult, hard to learn. Uh, it would actually be a shallow learning curve, not a steep learning curve. Did you know that? Interesting. Yeah. I guess you could play yeah, with guess, the axis. I guess what people are thinking about when they think about the learning curve is the effort expended rather than the like because it's the, the, the math of it is it's a steeper curve. It happens over a quicker, you know, the whatever the x axis is, you know, you get to a higher point quicker. Yeah, like the but difficulty I think people versus are thinking, yeah. people people think of it as a literal hill, you know, the <laughs> steep learning curve. Oh, that looks hard to go up. So that makes it makes more intuitive sense. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's it's interesting how a lot of that stuff um, I, I was reading all about, like different phrases that come to mean their opposites over time, because it just kind of makes more sense to people for whatever reason, like linguistically. Yes. It's all really interesting. We all just that's why anybody who gets obsessed about like grammar rules and all this other crap, it's just like. It's going to evolve. Just go with it. Stop being such a stick in the mud. Language evolves. It's yeah. fine. It's great. It's actually really fun. Literally means both literally and figuratively. It's great. It's great <laughs> to use it like that. I recommend it strongly. Use it all the time. It's fun. <laughs> nice. Uh, we got a little tangent there. Okay. Yeah. This one, I think this is good for me. Um, claiming national championships. Hey, Dave, Dave and Ryan, first of all, you what did the congr- dive? What? You just almost said dive. Did I say dive? You almost did. You said, Hi, hey, dive, dive and Ryan. You almost did that. Hi, dive. I'm going to call yeah. you dive now. I like that. Okay. Uh, first, first of all, I wanted to congratulate you both on keeping this podcast going strong in the offseason. All of the content and soccer hating takes have been great. Dave seems to welcome shots at him, but I'd like to take a shot at Ryan's Trojans today. I like shots at me. Currently, they're currently there. T H E R U C F in Alabama are in the news, going back and forth about claiming national championships that teams may or may not have a right to claim. I'd like to point out, uh, point a finger at USC. The biggest offender to me is two thousand, the two thousand three quote unquote championship, 
where USC does not play in the BCS championship game, does not win the BCS championship game, nor have the BCS championship trophy, yet claim themselves champions because a poll says so. The 2004 national championship being vacated by the NCAA, to me, also feels like something USC fans try to ignore. And every time I'm in the Coliseum for Rams games, I roll my eyes when I see the 2003 and 2004 listed as national championship years. Make no mistake, USC is an elite football team, in my opinion, and has kicked UCLA's uh, ass more years than I'd like to remember. But as far as I'm concerned, USC has been without a championship since the 70s. Go Bruins, Alex in New York City. Um, well, Alex, so you mentioned BCS. I'll, I'll give my take and let Dave give his take. Um, I definitely welcome shots at me. Uh, taking a shot at USC is not really a shot at me. But with the BCS, the BCS wasn't created, um, you know, before like the beginning of college football it's, 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 you know, it was around what year was, do you remember what year it was? It was like two, 98, 98. 98. And do you know what team was ranked first in the first overall BCS poll? Was it Cade McNown, the UCLA Bruins? Was. Nice. How's that work? How's that worked out for UCLA? You know, they've, <laughs> they've had a good run since then, right? Yeah. So that was the start of like, there was a BCS. So what, what did they do for the, you know, hundred years or whatever before that? It was all about the polls and it used to be, there were actually a bunch of polls. So if you look back in the 30s and stuff, like there's championships, Alabama's claimed, other people that, um, you know, for there were poll-based. For the majority of like our lifetime college football, I think the, the AP and it was the UPI for a while and then, you know, the, the coaches, there were two polls basically like that were deciding like who's the champion. So it, it became better probably in the 50s or 60s, if I'm not mistaken, where it wasn't like, all these different polls. There was just a couple of them, but the AP is the one that's been around for the longest time. So in 2003, USC was ranked number one by the AP had nothing to do with the BCS. So they didn't get the BCS trophy, but um, of the two polls, one of them picked USC, the two polls that everyone recognized. One of them picked USC, UCF, none of those, no polls picked UCF to be the national champion. So I would say on that. And on the other side, it's still the same thing in 2004. They're still AP still had them. Number one, um, not, you know, whatever the BCS. So, and the NCAA doesn't, there's no NCAA football champion. There's a basketball one. There's water polo, all those kind of things, but there's no like sanctioned NCAA champion for football. So, so certainly it's subjective, but it's not like USC was claiming something that, a, that one of the major polls didn't decide that they were the champion of. That would be my take. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I agree for the most part and honestly taking too much away from the Carroll era Trojans, given how good they were on the field. I don't know. I mean, yeah, there was some level of, uh, cheating going on at some level or capacity. I'm sure USC fans will deny it till, you know, Todd McNair has his like 15th appeal or whatever, but, <laughs> um, there, some level of that was going on. And it, depending on how much of a stickler you are for all that stuff, you can, you know, talk, you can say it's, it's stupid to list them as national championship years. I don't, I've never been one to do that. Cause I think it's crazy um, because everybody it cheats and any sec school that has won a national championship in the last, I, I don't know, forever has, has cheated a whole bunch and um, the culture is different there and uh, the bag men are more efficient. And so there's less uh, chance of getting caught, um, but it's happening all the time. And I think the whole idea of cheating in college sports is dumb and it shouldn't be cheating anyway, but all this stuff aside, those teams were really good. Um, 
And I, I don't know. You match that 2003 championship team up against who was it that won the actual BCS? LSU that year? Uh, yeah, I think that was LSU. You match them up against LSU, I think that USC team probably beats them. So yeah, maybe take away the championship, but uh, they're probably still the best team in the country. I mean, by the end of 2002, they were probably the best team in the country. They just had lost two games early in the year. Um, and that pains me to say. I mean, I'm not I'm not happy about saying any of that. Um, but, uh, you know, they. I, I, I think this is it's a great topic of conversation, though, because you have a completely valid argument for claiming that both championships are invalid and you can claim that to any USC people, you know, all the time. And it's great. And I think it's completely valid, but I think USC fans can just say, well, whatever USC was really good during that time. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, next is a text. Do you want to get this one or you want me to, I will read it. Okay. Love your podcast. Keep up the good work. Here's a multi-part question regarding the PAC 12 QBs this year. Most of the media and commentators out there are saying it's a down year for the Pac-12 QBs. Can you give an honest 1-12 to ranking of the returning QBs in the Pac-12 from best to worst? I know you guys give him crap sometimes, but where does UW's Jake Browning truly rank? Is there a QB controversy brewing in Eugene with the Ducks? And how well will the QB transfers at UCLA and Washington State fare given the offensive systems they are transferring into? I think okay. it'd be tough to rank. Right? I mean, there's just unproven no, people. We're, we're doing it. We're doing it. We don't even know who's going to start, but we're doing it. All okay. right. So USC, just give me your initial instinct. Who's starting? I would say JT Daniels. All right. JT Daniels. All right. Who UCLA, who my initial UCLA? instinct, I'm going to go Wilton Spate. Okay. All right. Wow. Arizona, we know Khalil Tate. Arizona State, we know Manny Wilkins. Yep. Colorado, we're going to guess Steven Montez, even though he had some issues last year, but that's probably happening. Utah, Tyler Huntley. Stanford, we're going to assume one of their quarterbacks will be healthy by the time the season starts, and we'll go with KJ, uh, KJ Costello. Yeah. All right. California. Are, this isn't Ross Bowers, is it? Yeah, it still is, right? Is it? I, oh. I thought there was another guy... The South Carolina transfer, whatever his oh, name is. Oh, there's a potential. Hold on. Let me pull up my notes from uh, Cal. But, yeah, I think I think it's still going to be Bowers. but um, It could be Brandon McIlwain. Yeah, he's the guy that transferred. Okay, um, so initial instinct. Who do you think gets it? So I saw McIlwain. Um, I, I'm going to still say Bowers. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's go Ross Bowers. Yeah, McElwain was participating in the uh, the spring game. He actually was live. So, um, all right. I, I, think, um, I think he's got to unseat Bowers, and at this point I'll take Bowers. All right, Oregon, Justin Herbert. That, well, he was saying there's like a controversy, which I don't get. That can't make sense. No. I'm not even going to acknowledge that. There's no that controversy, no. Uh, who is it at Oregon State? Oh, crap. Uh, it is. Let me pull it up. Is that Luton? Keaton uh, Clovis? Yeah, no, Jake that's Luton, somebody they just offered. So Jake Luton is the guy that had the spine fracture, but they had uh, Nick Moore, Jack Coletto, and Connor Blunt, who's the kid from Wisconsin. But I, I think it's going to be Jake Luton. All right, let's go Jake Luton. Okay. All right, and then Washington, Jake Browning. And then Washington State. That's the trend. Could be this Minshew guy. Yeah, I think so. I'll go with him. We'll go with Minshew. Okay. 
All right. So if I'm looking at this order, it goes Tate, Herbert, um, and then who who do you like number three here? Are we talking Manny Wilkins? It's going to be for me. Tyler Huntley? Are we talking KJ Costello? I mean, I might Jake even. Browning? It might put Browning. I might go Wilkins Browning. All right. So we're going. So what you're saying here, Ryan. Top four. Is that Jake Browning is a top four quarterback in the Pac 12 this year? Yeah. Now you could argue he could be sixth or seventh, but I'm going to. I think, I think I'm going to put him four. You have faith. All right. Um, do you not think who so? Do you like, who do you like fifth, Costello or Huntley? I think I'm gonna, I I I like Huntley from what I'm I, I'm gonna put Huntley. All right, I'm going Costello six. Okay. All right, and then now it's, it's like who knows? Yeah, now it's a whole raft of just whatever. Um, Tied for seventh. Wilton Spate has played. Uh, Stephen Montez has played. JT Daniels has not played. Jake Luton has barely played. Um, Ross Bowers has played, but he's kind of limited. What do we think here? Uh. I'm gonna go Montez here. Yeah, that that's that seems right, but it's he could drop though. Like he could easily drop if if we need to see some of that flashes from two years ago. And then five guys tied for twelve, right? Yeah, I think <laughs> that's probably fair. Okay, so we're going Tate, Herbert, Wilkins, Browning, Huntley, Costello, Montez as the actual top seven, and then. The other five guys, which we have as JT Daniels, Wilton Spate, Ross Bowers, Jake Luton, and Minshew. Um, and I don't know his first name, and I'm not willing to look it up right now. Okay. Nice. <laughs> There's a lot of They're unproven, you know. And, and we don't even know if those are going to be the actual starters. But whatever. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, how well will the QB transfers fare? Um, I think any quarterback walking into Washington State system is going to be in pretty good shape. Um, so I think he'll be fine. I never, I, I don't think I ever saw him play a snap at East Carolina, so I can't speak to him too well. Spate at UCLA is more interesting to me. Um, uh, our, uh, one of the bro writers, Matt Joy did a great piece on how he might fit this year and did some film analysis on him. Um, he's not as much of a statue as you would think, but he also has like virtually no experience, uh, doing any kind of mesh or zone read or any of that stuff. So it's going to be an interesting fit. Um, he's good at quick throws and making quick throws over the middle and all that kind of stuff, which seems like it's a pretty good fit for Chip Kelly. But the lack of experience with um, any of that kind of mesh handoff stuff is going to be – that's going to be where the learning curve is for him. So we will see um, We'll see where that goes. One of the, the aspects, and I remember this from watching the spring game um, since I watched all those, uh, so they had a former walk-on who's a redshirt junior, uh, Trey Tinsley. They had Anthony Gordon, who's a JC guy, and then Cameron Cooper is the true freshman coming in. One of the points they kind of made on the broadcast and we're talking to Mike Leach about was he seems to rather have someone like someone that's in his system for a while. So even if it's a walk-on, doesn't matter. They want someone that's been around as opposed to the the you know highly ranked freshman coming in or a transfer. Um, so that could you know, change things a little bit um, as far as that goes. So we're, I don't think we know exactly how it's going to go, but if he kind of holds a form, it might be a guy like Trey Tinsley. Mm. So I don't know, but that was one of the things they talked about that in his system, he'd rather have someone that's been around a while as opposed to the new guy. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think he can, and that might be the big thing for him because it, it seems like he can turn, 
kind of anybody into a pretty yeah. decent quarterback. <laughs> um, so, yeah, maybe it is just experience in his system because it's probably so much about timing. Right. And he also sent that via email, but we read his text, though. Um, we got this one from, uh, Scott in Washington, PAC 12 tagline slash recruiting philosophy, Ryan slash, uh, Dave or dive. what I call you? Dive, 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 Ryan slash dive. Uh, you guys get a solid a for grinding through the long off season and still providing PAC 12 podcast content. Thank you. A couple of more PAC 12 taglines you might enjoy. So this has kind of been a common theme, uh, PAC 12 conference. Who needs Texas? OU, Texas A&M and Oklahoma state in football. Fair. Uh, Packed off conference. At least we own our network and content. Yes. They actually say that one a lot. They, that's probably one if you sent to uh, Northern Northern Cal, they would say, yeah, we like that one. Oh, yeah. Good one. Yeah. And then Packed off conference, always a top five power conference. It's true so far. Yeah. Uh, for UCLA fans worrying about Chip Kelly and his recruiting philosophy, when he was at Oregon, he also gave out very few offers with the idea to make them mean something. Chris Peterson and David Shaw also ascribe to the same idea. If I am a UCLA fan, uh, that would not concern me. But what might is uh, the continued stories that he hates recruiting even more than he did when he was with the Ducks. However, he is at a place where hypothetically he wouldn't have to leave. Uh, he wouldn't have to leave the town he lives in to bring in a top twenty class at worst every year which makes it much easier on him. Now for my question, or do you want to comment on any of that first? Yeah, I think it's fair. Um, I, I, I think there's reason to be somewhat concerned, but I think there's a valid reason not to be as well. So yeah, I think that's fine. I think it's a fine stance to take. All right. And then it says question last week, Dennis Dodd wrote an article about the PAC 12 being annexed from the power five. What events event or events would have to take place for you to see that happening? Keep up the good work. Go dogs. Scott in Washington. All right, so getting evicted from the Power Five. Um, I mean, there would need to be a new playoff contract of some sort. Um, so years down the road, right? Like they would need to do that whole thing because it's based on the five leagues and the group of five schools, right? right? Well, there's so, no, there's not like a Power Five organization, right? It's just. It's like an understanding. Like these are the power five and it's written. Isn't in- it in the rules that one of the the top group of five school that is within the top twelve makes a whatever makes one of the playoff the playoff six bowls yeah. or whatever? And I think So they, if, I, if you if the Pac twelve is suddenly in the group of five and it's the group of six now, that would change the dynamics of that whole relationship. True, yeah. Um, so anyway, I think that would have to change and I don't know what renewal uh stage that whole thing is on but um god i mean i don't think it's i don't think it's like i think it would have to take like schools leaving like i think it would have to be like the arizona schools jumping ship to the big 12 and usc going independent and that might make the pac-12 just completely dissolve as an entity but i don't know stopping short of that i don't know yeah, so what happened with the Big East, right? It sort of just kind of disintegrated. And so they, you know, it was part of the, whatever they call it. What was it back then? The BCS conferences. And then, yeah. yeah. But there's not like a, there's not like an official group. Like the BCS was like an organization. I don't think the college football playoff has like, this is the power five, but that's understood. It doesn't mean you're in the power five. You're not automatically making it in. But like Dave said, 
you would have to be then included in the group of five or group of six at that point. Um, but it's not, there's not like some organization that has like a chairman and we're, you know, we're the head of the group of five or anything like that. Yeah. So I don't, yeah. So I don't know. I guess I just don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of scenarios that could cause it, but I think they would all be like semi-catastrophic and they would probably change. I don't know. I think they would also change like kind of the complexion of the sport in a lot of ways, the same way that, I mean, the, the, the collapse of the big East changed things in a lot of ways. Um, and I think the PAC 12 collapsing would change it even more so because there are some schools that are like, I, I couldn't see. So like schools that I just couldn't see in a group of five conference are any of the original like pack eight really. But I mean, I guess not to be again, offender Oregon state listeners, but like I, I, you can't see like Washington being in the mountain West. That just sounds crazy. Right. Right. So I don't know. Relegation, relegation, relegation. It'd be fun. Uh, Okay, someone, Mark, uh, we did get a a response on Twitter from Mark Stevenson uh, at M Stevenson Eleven. He said, "Not true. They're tied at 116 wins apiece. Even so, even though that's close, is crazy. That's wild. Wow. If you trust Mark." I trust. Mark. I trust Mark, yeah. but maybe he meant conference wins. Oh, maybe. Mm. Mm. He didn't say that. I don't know. All right, so this is our man Nick. You ready for this? Yeah. Ranking your respective schools' coaches from 2000 to 2018. Hello, Pac-12 Podcast. This is Nick from Cyprus, aka Big Nick 21 USC from the P. Hi, Ryan Abraham and David, the lovable loser Bruin Woods. So I know I'm going to ask for some thought and foresight on your football and basketball coaches since 2000 to present. I'd like to hear you talk up your opinion of best coach and get your feelings on your worst coach off your chest. Off your chest. Don't be gentle. I'm only going to count coaches who were full-time coaches, no mid-season fires that promoted an assistant, and will not count Chip because he hasn't coached a game at UCLA yet unless you count the spring quote-unquote game. Ryan, you can go first. All right, so the football coaches that you have to rank, Ryan. Okay. Are Paul Hackett, Peter Carroll, Lane Kiffin, Coach O, Ed Orgeron, Steve Sarkeesian, or Clay Helton? Okay. So he put in parentheses, best coach by a mile for Pete Carroll. You, you, hard yeah, to argue obviously. with that. Um, I'd say the worst would be Paul Hackett. Um, you know, I think it helped Pete Carroll that they were kind of down when Paul Hackett was there. Paul, I guess, you know, he had Troy Palomalu and Carson Palmer on his, you know, on his squad. But I would say he was probably the worst of of that group. Okay. What would what would you say? Yeah, well, a hundred percent, hundred percent. The question is the question is the next one for me. Okay. So where do where 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 are you on the fifth? Give me the fifth, and I'll tell you what mine is. Oh, um, I'm sorry. The what do you mean? I'm You're confused. ranking these from first to last. And you just said your worst. Oh, I thought he just wanted best and worst. Okay, he wants us to rank them all. Okay. Um, I think so. Oh, wait, maybe it's just that. Oh, talk up your opinion of the best coach and get your feelings on your worst. Okay, there you go. All right, so best is Pete Carroll and worst is Paul Hackett. Yeah. All right, fine. Um, okay, then basketball. Uh, so so he has Henry Bibby, Tim Floyd, Kevin O'Neill, who he says is the worst for both schools, but let's see what David has to say, and Andy Enfield. So – 
I am definitely no hoops expert. Uh, I, maybe Floyd was the best and Kevin O'Neill was the worst. What would you say? Uh, Bibby had some good teams. Um, I think you could make an argument for Kev, uh, for Henry Bibby. Kevin O'Neill was definitely the worst. That is correct. Okay. Let's look what Henry Bibby actually did. Um, because I think he was good enough that you could make that argument. Like in so in 2000 2001 he had an elite eight, which that's pretty good for USC. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So let's see what Floyd. Let's see what I think Floyd, Floyd had. I mean one Floyd's too. Floyd's probably a better overall coach, but I'm thinking about at USC who was better because Floyd made three NCAA tournaments, but they were never like super elite teams. He recruited really well. I'd yeah. probably go Bibby because okay. Floyd was only even at USC for four years too. Bibby was a little bit of an institution there. Floyd, had, I'm not just saying that because he's a UCLA alum. Yeah, Floyd had a couple of one, uh, some one and done guys. Uh, he kind of recruited that way. Um, Edfield has some great recruits, but just hasn't seen the results on the court yet. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think Enfield's much of a coach. Um, all right, so for me, I get. Just a veritable poo-poo platter. All right. <laughs> Football. Bob Toledo, Carl Durrell, Rick Neuizel, and Jim Mora. All right. So there's a... This one's easy for me. It's a semi-obvious answer on the top end, which is... Rick Neuheisel. So are we counting Are we counting um, the pre-2000 years, or are we just counting the 2000 to 2018 years? Uh... I mean, I, I think if there's a holdover coach, I think you can count pre. Because I, I was it, doing that for Paul I, Hackett. So. so it depends on how results-oriented you are. I think Mora is a better coach than Bob Toledo, but he, but Toledo obviously had a better peak yeah. where they won 20 straight games and the, that whole deal. So i probably go Toledo by a hair just based off of results. If we're like judging as an actual – like the quality of the coach, it's probably Mora. But um, go with Toledo for the results. Um, and then, so this is a debate that's at the heart of many UCLA fans, which is who's the worst? No, there's Carl no Durrell, who could not recruit really, um, and also couldn't coach for much, much of his tenure, or Rick Neuheisel, who could recruit really well and got some pretty good players who really, really sucked when they were at UCLA under him. He and plays I, always, I always go on Rick Neuheisel here because. What? So the Darrell thing, Darrell, he was Denver Broncos wide receivers coach, had no business being hired as a head coach when he was hired. Um, massive learning on the job, but they they only like their only losing season was like when they went six and seven. Like they went ten and two one year, better overall record. Did more with less than Neuheisel. Neuheisel recruited a lot better and still lost a ton of games. Um, Neuheisel just, he shouldn't have been that bad, and he was. He, you know, had so many years as a head coach and was so atrocious at UCLA that I've got to go with him as as the true oh. uh, the true, the true last place here. I wanted him to be first, but I get I it. I know. I, I think- get it. Your argument can be summed up with four numbers. You can say 13 to nine and 50 to nothing. That's probably the best way to put it, right? So 13 to nine is is Carl Durrell's win over USC. Yes, over Pete Carroll. 
over Pete Carroll's USC team. And yeah, that was the kind of thing that Darrell, he was able to pull that kind of thing off occasionally, not obviously beating USC more than once, but just kind of occasionally had like a really, you know, nice performance. Like Rick Neuheisel's best win was like over a bad Tennessee team. Like he was just, uh, just horrendous. But he lost so, 50 to nothing to Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Yeah. That's a thing that happened. <laughs> that's a thing that happened. Yeah. But he plays yeah. the guitar. When he was also, he also did the thing where I think he was the one that was calling timeouts at the end of the 2009 or 2010 game. Oh, and so yeah. I think that was Carol, that was Carol's last USC UCLA matchup. And he called for like the bomb touchdown with, uh, like 40 seconds to go because New Heisel kept calling timeouts. Yeah, they were trying to run out the clock and, and yeah. New Heisel called timeout, so then they just threw a bomb and scored another yeah. touchdown. Yeah, yeah. So he which, was also. Which, do you you know, did you blame him for that or no? Um, No, actually. So I didn't blame Carroll for that because whatever, that's what you do. Um, what, There were a lot of decisions made by New Heisel in that game where he was just so very clearly trying to play for a close loss and a respectable loss that I was like so fed up with him by the end of the game that I was like, yeah, do it. Pile it on. <laughs> um, because I'm a self-loathing person uh, by nature. Um, all right. Basketball. You ready? Yeah. Steve Lavin, Ben Howland or Steve Alford. Uh, so this is a really interesting one that I could talk for many, many years about, but instead I'm going to keep it very quick. Uh, Steve Alford is last and Ben Howland is first. That that kind of makes sense. I mean, what Lavin did a bunch of sweet 16s and um, yeah. And Lavin, um, he was, so he always recruited better for the most part than Alford has, even though Alford has recruited pretty well. Um, so there was always the hope kind of going into a couple years that, oh, maybe they'll put it all together and they'll have like a really exciting, you know, run in the tournament. Um, I don't think he was a better like fundamentals coach, but I don't think Alford is anywhere near as engaged in the job as Lavin even was, um, which is saying something. Uh, they're both very bad. I don't want to like make a claim that I'm arguing for Steve Lavin here. Uh, but if you're really looking on the merits, I think it's uh, Alford is, is the clear last place winner here. All right. I'll I'll, I'll uh, refer to your better judgment on that. There we go. There we go. Yeah, like uh, yeah, you're talking about like Final Fours versus Sweet Sixteen. So um, yeah, exactly. Okay, if I remember correctly. Uh, you you don't, but it's fine. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I thought Ben Howland went to like a couple Final oh, Fours. Oh, you're talking now. about? Uh, I'm talking about the. Oh, you're talking about the Howland versus either of those guys comparison. Yeah, I mean Ben Howland's clearly number one. Okay. It's just okay. a question of who. With UCLA's coaches in the last 18 years, it's really just a question of who among all of these contenders is in last. Yeah. Well, it's tough because it's not like it, it, they got a lot of basketball tradition, so it's hard to like get the mm -hmm. re-spark yeah. and oh, get it going. It's difficult. It's yeah. difficult. You, you know what? I'm, I'm retroactively responding to that USC question. Yeah, <laughs> the 2003-2004 titles don't count. They're complete <laughs> bullshit. And uh, actually, they haven't won anything since like 1971. Nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, here's uh, come to Salt Lake for a game and UCLA gym. Uh, okay, I'm, maybe it's going to be explained later. This is from 89Ute, uh, Ryan and Dave. A few ideas and comments. Two pods ago, Ryan mentioned he had not been to a game at Utah. I was genuinely surprised to hear this. A trip to Utah is cheap, easy, and fast. You don't need to rent a car. Light rail takes you from the airport to downtown. It probably costs four bucks. 
Point being, from the time your plane touches the ground, you'll be in your hotel room in 45 minutes. All hotels in downtown are well within walking distance to light rail. The same light rail takes you to the stadium and back for free on game day. Your ticket is your free pass. An away game, uh, we don't get tickets though. An away game trip to Utah is probably the easiest to make out of all the Pac-12 schools. Airfare from LA is cheap. The biggest hassle to your trip is making it to and from your own airport. Um, I'm probably going to upset you, 89U, but I've been to a BYU game and not a Utah game. It's not. Wow, you went to Provo and you didn't go to Salt Lake City. Oh my God. And it was weird. Like, like yeah. when you try to buy beer, it, it, it's yeah. like you're buying drugs. It's, it's Salt Lake City is like a normalish city. Like, yeah. It's not, it's not off the beaten path. It's, it's normal and great and it's beautiful. Like there's a lot of good stuff there. Yeah. Go. No, I, I definitely want to go. It's just been this weird thing that I haven't. So I'm not like avoiding it or anything. So this got me thinking in terms of cost, ease, time, blah, blah, blah. What's the best road trip in the Pac-12? You can easily research this yourself, but I know you guys won't. So why, you know. <laughs> so why don't you put the burden on your listeners? And we got to figure out what the listeners are called. It will be a good gauge on how widespread your viewership is. Ask the listeners to sell their schools and city on why opposing fans should spend the time and money to make the trip. Not sure they're going to do this, but we'll throw it out there. Uh mm-hmm. But he says, for me, I don't much desire to hop a flight, rent a car, or figure out how to get to the game from whatever hotel I figured out uh, to go to. It sounds more like a weekend from hell than a fun trip to an away game. Take Colorado. The airport is about an hour away from Denver. And then you're still not uh, you're not in Boulder. I'd love to see Ralphie run, but it's pretty much a non-starter based on what I think I know about making that trip. Perhaps a CU fan or someone who has made the trip can convince me. Otherwise, Washington State, Oregon State, and Oregon are probably the same way, too far from the airport. As far as the California schools, I'm under the impression that it's an utter nightmare weekend to take in a game in any of the, to any of those schools. Okay, let's let's answer this first. Okay. All right, so I'm going to rule out some based off of his things. You don't want to do either of the Oregon schools because you're not you're not flying in anywhere near those places. You're probably flying into Portland. So you're probably Correct. not doing either of those at a, from a convenience standpoint. Um, Washington state, you're probably not doing from a convenience standpoint, unless you, you know, want to fly into Pullman and, you know, either pay through the nose or take a puddle jumper there. Um, Colorado for the reasons that he outlined, that's again, like a huge long haul from Denver. So the contenders are the ones that are like kind of city based in some way. So Salt Lake city makes sense. Um, Arizona, it's not that far from the airport. Um, the stadium, um, ASU would probably make a decent amount of sense too. Yeah. Um, Washington, how far is that from the airport? I think it's a ways, but you're in Seattle. I mean, it's still, you're in the city, so it's not, you know, I just don't know about that one from a, from a convenience standpoint, but yeah, that one, I think you could talk yourself into the Bay area ones. I think Cal is a slightly different deal, but Stanford is not that far off. If you're just coming in from honestly, from either SFO or San Jose, I yeah, think I think Stanford's easier from San Jose, but you could fly to like SFO and take Bart and be, yeah. and, and get to Cal, you know? Um, yeah, you can do it to Cal too. Um, it's just on the other side, but, um, or Oakland, so I think Oakland those, for Cal. yeah, you can find Oakland. Um, so those those would both make sense. I think USC and UCLA actually sneakily make some okay sense if you're treating it as a I'm going to fly in and then take public transportation because you can get – I mean, I know I'm talking about LA public transportation. 
you can get to the to the what I think it's the green line over there and it's soon going to be extended but the green line that you can just hop on and it'll take you to downtown and you can also go up to Pasadena it's a variety of lines but it's like the green line to the blue line to the red line to the gold line whatever um, so you can take public transportation up to both the Coliseum and up into Pasadena relatively near the Rose Bowl what about like Burbank to Pasadena is that closer yeah, but I don't know what the public transportation options are from Burbank. I think yeah. you still have to do like the rental car and stuff. LA's yeah, LA's more of a drive. Like you pretty much have to drive. Like yeah, you like Dave said. Well, you if you can... find LAX, you can do public transportation. Yeah, I mean you can take a, a one of the like airport shuttles over to the Green Line station and then take that the whole way. And I think they're going to try to make it go to the airport at some point. But... Yeah, that's the plan. That's part of the extension. Um, but anyway, that's so I think those are reasonable. All the city based ones are reasonable. But like when you get into like the smaller college towns, that's when it becomes kind of the uh, pain in the ass territory. OK. And he goes on to say, David. So this is about you, David. Utah is four and three versus UCLA since joining the Pac-12. You struck a nerve here during your last podcast. Also, I don't think you've mentioned UCLA's national championship in gymnastics. It was impressive to watch. UCLA pulled out a couple of perfect 10 routines at the end of the meet to win it all. It was huge. It was a buzzer beater. No one had UCLA winning the Super 6 or even finishing in the top three, yet they pulled it off. Uh, being a Utah grad and fan, it hurt my soul watching UCLA win a coveted natty in gym, but a part of me really enjoyed watching those ladies steal the national championship from Oklahoma. Well done. And deserve some time on your pod. Are you? Did, did that deserve time on our pod? I don't... I, this is before I came to my new rule about all of this. But I do want to hand a shout out to Stanford for winning the Women's Tennis National Championship. The Conference of Champions at work again. Nice. Baby. Stanford now takes the lead um, over UCLA with 117 national championships uh, to UCLA's uh, 116. So that is uh, something. Uh, they, they, they won the national championship. So congrats to Stanford. Uh, big title for the league. Big feather in the cap of the league. Um, no, just, Do you know just, who won the just, women's golf? Because it was... Arizona was in the mix for that. So it was Arizona versus Stanford, I believe, and Alabama versus USC. Alabama beat USC to go to the finals, but there was three Pac-12 teams in the final four. I Arizona. Didn't... Arizona won okay. the Women's Golf National Championship. Just racking up titles, Ryan. We are racking up titles yeah. here in the Conference of Champions. So, I mean, there was three of the four teams left were, were Pac-12 teams. But, um, yeah, we, we have not argued that the Pac-12 wins a lot of championships and stuff that and you stuff. don't watch. <laughs> They win a lot of titles and stuff. Yeah. Um, 89 U apparently watches, so that's that's good. I didn't know that, what, what do you call it, a Power 6 or a Super 6? I don't even know what that is. I don't know either, and it's great. I, I, I There's so much to learn out there in the world. But we've, we've gave the uh, gymnastics team some some love, and now the tennis team and the and Arizona golf team. So good stuff there. He says, are Utah fans really the second largest fan base of your podcast? I think when I said that, I meant besides UCLA and USC fans. Yeah, who, like Washington's up there. I think. I think it's Washington and Utah are probably our two biggest non-UCLA and USC. I would guess, yeah. We've got a good uh, – we had a decent bit of Washington State. I think we've got a decent bit of Arizona State. But I wouldn't say there's much Colorado. Wouldn't say there's a whole lot of any Oregon school. 
Um, Cal, not really. No, the Bay Area no, schools not too much. It's kind of just weirdly Utah and and Washington are big ones. Okay. Maybe we're more respectful towards them. I think we might be. Not towards Washington. <laughs> I think we. I but I think the thing is that our sentiments about Washington, general respect for Chris Peterson, general disrespect oh, okay. for Jake Browning. I think that aligns with a lot of Washington fans. Gotcha. Okay, so they don't just turn us off because we. Bag no, I think I think we ring true to them. Okay. I think that's why they keep listening. Um, and you know, for somebody, we should ring true, right? You know, yeah. the whole broken clock thing. Right. Right. Twice a day. <laughs> um, all right. This is from our man Hithla Day. Yay. Troy and Trojans. Last week, you suggested checking out Troy Taylor for actually surviving as Utah's offensive coordinator for more than a year. And after reviewing some film, I think you were right. There's a lot more going on here than I first thought. I watched three teams from the North play them and each used a different defense. Stanford in a bare front with lots of blitzes. Oregon using only a five-man box and putting outside linebackers in man coverage, and Washington revived the old Buddy Ryan 4-6 defense, 46 defense. But here's the really interesting part. There's only one other conference opponent that those schools defend with those schemes, Washington State. What do you think? Is it possible there's a secret second air raid in the Pac-12? Keeping in mind that your entire USC versus Utah discussion got eaten by the audio monster two weeks ago, what do you remember of how USC and UCLA defended the Utes last year? Huh. I think on the USC side, it was kind of like a typical spread. Like they used a lot of nickel, um, which they kind of typically do. They haven't changed. USC didn't change a lot unless they played like Stanford. They would bring in some more defensive linemen. But for the most part, I think like 90% of the time they're running out of uh, – uh, their nickel package. So I don't recall them doing anything different against Utah. What about UCLA? I don't recall them doing anything different. They got murdered. Um, they lost like 48, 17. Um, so it was just absolutely disgusting. Um, to the, to the point about it being an air raid. I think that's kind of the idea. Um, I think that's schematically what they're thinking about at Utah, but they've definitely, they definitely showed a lot more balance last year. Um, and in fact, they ran the ball a ton. So uh, I don't know if technically you can call it an air raid, um, but I think they're doing a lot of the same kind of big splits. Um, and I, I think Troy Taylor is by by background more of an air raid guy. So, but I, uh, UCLA they I, they were so bad defensively uh, against the run that they had to do a lot of stuff where they were like stacking defensive linemen against basically everybody. And I think they had to do it against Utah as well. Um, so it didn't work. They still gave up. Uh, let's let me let me pull up the old stats. Nice. Uh, yeah, they, they gave up 272 rushing yards on 50 carries. So the, Utah elected to run the ball 50 times on UCLA last year. <laughs> um, and for a supposed air raid team, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and uh, they they actually ran the ball more times against UCLA than UCLA had offensive plays. Wow. So, so that's pretty that's, bad. That's not good. It's bad. It's not good. No. Uh, and they beat UCLA by 31 points. Nice. Good one from Hitler Day there. He yeah. Did... Hey, he didn't. He didn't. Uh, he didn't throw. A, he didn't throw a strike this time. No. He, or, he, he's actually doing or research. No, he threw, or maybe he threw a strike and we hit it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how it works. He did film study. We like that. I'm not a baseball major. No. <laughs> All um, right. We got an so, email. That uh, from John, 
who sent us a YouTube clip, which obviously, uh, you know, you can't watch, but it was Kenny Wheaton uh, back in the day against Washington. It was like a 99-yard interception return for a touchdown. So he wanted us to add that to our intro to motivate Oregon fans. Maybe, maybe we could change the intro to get, like, some of the fan base that we haven't touched as, as uh, you know, deeply. Yeah, like, let's turn them off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that'd be kind of fun. Um, we could we could do any that would take work. Of, that would take a lot of work, um, and I wouldn't be doing it. So I don't care. Either would I. Like it, that, I didn't create the intro. That was created for us. So yeah, but you solicited for it. You did the project management for it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if you, you want to, you know, f with our intro and you want to like add stuff to it, you could do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that that was John, and then we got a would you rather. All right, so you ready this, for this? This is for Jamie from for you, Dave. Uh, All right. So, A, would you rather, A, UCLA hire Larry Scott as their athletic director, B, UCLA hire Rick Neuheisel as their next head coach. I don't think you're going to rank that very high. C, use the soccer vernacular use the soccer vernacular for the entire 2018 football season. D, do a separate podcast for each Pac-12 team spring game. E, become a USC fan. Uh, F, all of the above. I, oh, my God. I don't think I don't, you'd rather. The, the, all of the above doesn't make sense. No. Uh, so there's no way. Uh, okay, so let's rule out the obvious ones. I, I got to rule out become a USC fan. I just, there's, uh, there's I think no you way. could. No. Yeah, uh, come on. No, I actually could not. I actually could you not. You could shave um, the beard and you could become a USC fan. I'd have to like start talking about private enterprise and like all of these different <laughs> things about like making money and working in finance. And I would just want to die. Um, uh, you'd rather be, would you rather Rick Newhouse be UCLA's head coach or be a USC fan? Yeah, I would probably go with the thing I know. And so that's Rick Neuheisel as the UCLA head coach. Wow. Look, I like it when things are bad. I stopped being, I stopped following baseball and I was a big angels fan. I stopped following when they won a world series. I like when things are bad. That's where I operate. You stopped. <laughs> like I don't, I, I am, I am the opposite of a baseball fan now. And I used to watch like of 162 games a year. I would watch like 95% of the ones that were on TV. That was me watching angels games. Nice. All right. So become a UC, USC fan is the lowest on the list. I, I dropped that one. All right. And then it's, uh, probably the new Heisel thing. I dropped that next. So we're down to hire Larry Scott, use soccer vernacular, or do a separate podcast for each Pac-12 stream, spring game. I mean, the easy answer is D because we basically already did that. Like we, we functionally already did that. We just did yeah. two basically, or wh however many you babbled about for like whatever <laughs> length of time. I think one week was four or five. Like it was a lot. Yeah, I mean, we could make that like that could be like a real absurd, like just a lesson in absurdity if we tried to do like a full like two hour length podcast about a single spring game that lasted, you know, like an hour long. That would be a lot of fun. Or we like watched it and just talked as it was going on. Like, yeah, that could actually be that's actually like something we might end up doing if we have a really rough <laughs> off season sometime. Um, so I'm going to go with D here. Do a separate podcast for each Pac-12 team spring game. All right. Nice. All right. This is from Anthony. Hi, Ryan and Dave. I was reading that Clemson only has 78 scholarship players currently for the 2018 season. Is that a low number or normal number for a team of that caliber? 
I think that's fairly normal. 85 is the max. It's hard to be like, you know, in the 80s all the time. I think it'll fluctuate a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think you, you know, you control your roster and you'll add a couple scholarships for walk-ons later. So I don't think that's crazy, you know, strange or out of the ordinary. No, no, I think that's about right. Um, maybe a, maybe a tick low. Yeah. Um, you know, I think some teams would rather be around like 80 to 82, but, uh, 78, that's, that's more than enough to win a title. Um, I was reading a tweet from Paul Meyerberg from USA Today that five of the eight five-star QBs per 247 in the 2015 to 17 recruiting classes have now transferred. Hunter Johnson, Shea Patterson, Jacob Eason, Kyler Murray, and Blake Barnett. That leaves Josh Rosen, David uh, Davis, I think it's Davis Mills, and Tua Tagovailoa, uh, well, as those who have stuck around. What is your take on this? So it's funny. Um uh, Bruce Feldman was in my office earlier today uh, recording his Audible, so I was listening to him and Stu. They actually talked about this a little bit. Bruce actually brought up um, Ricky Town was a five-star at one point and then was dropped later on. He also transferred before he even played a game. He was a, a Alabama commit, went to USC, transferred out when he saw Sam Darnold, and he's transferred a couple times since then. Um, it, I think you're seeing more of a trend and this now, you want to be able to play. Now, there's some different circumstances, like Shea Patterson was starting, but Ole Miss had sanctions. So I think that's kind of a different one. But, you know, I see a lot of these guys where they weren't going to be the starter and, like, you just want to go play somewhere else. Um, it's it's tough. I mean, it's it's a very unique position where there's one guy. There's not you, – you could be in a rotation of three running backs. You're not doing that as a quarterback. So um, – the more and more hype we see these guys get, and the, the you know the more you get more expectations when you're a five star, that's certainly true. Uh, and you want to come in there and play. So I, I don't think it's uh, I mean I, I don't think it's it's something that's just an anomaly. I think you're going to see this a lot going forward. Yeah, more and more for sure. And I think it's not necessarily even just five stars. I think more and more guys are getting maybe not even promised, but the expectations just when you're going through the recruiting process and this is even happening with you know well-regarded three stars these days but certainly some four-star guys where they're just getting smoke blown up their butts all day every day forever that i think they all think they should start immediately and it's not just quarterbacks i think this is across the board um so i would imagine transfer rates are just going to tick up across the board but qb especially because it's you know when a guy wins a starting job as a freshman or sophomore, it means that 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 job is done. That job is locked up for the next two or three years. So it becomes kind of a, you know, it, once that happens, anybody else who is on the roster is probably going to look elsewhere. And I think in like, there's a lot of cases though, if you stick around, usually oh, yeah. your time comes, you know, I think Kyler Murray, he trained, like I think both quarterbacks end up transferring or something. I mean, there's weird stuff that happens. Um, but a lot of times, you know, you're rewarded by by sticking around. It, you, you know, why'd you leave? You could have been this guy or blah blah blah. And, but I don't know. I'm going to blame millennials and immediate gratification. What do you want to say, Dave? Is that good? <laughs> I blame the uh, baby boomers who consistently uh, screw things up for everyone else. Nice. All right. Cool. Yeah. They've been blowing smoke up these kids' asses, and that's why they've uh, decided they are the cat's pajamas are you millennial what are you what's your i am uh god i mean as as if generations have any meaning i am a millennial uh really okay. i think I... yeah the, the earliest millennials were born in 1982 i was born in 1985 okay so i am among the older but not the oldest 
uh, millennials. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm Gen yeah. X. I think that's what they're I'm supposed to be. When were you born? 70, 1970. 1970? Yeah, I think you are Gen X. You're like at the Yeah, I think you're I think you're pretty just solidly Gen X. Okay. I, I don't know whatever those things are. I don't know. It's all stupid. It's all dumb. None of these things have meaning except for the baby boomers who ruined everything for everyone. Gotcha. They're the only ones who matter. I think to, um, that, to themselves as well. Yeah. They're the only ones who matter. I only think of millennials as being like 23 year olds. Like I don't really think of like someone in their 30s with two kids as being a millennial. But apparently that that's not... the, the, yeah. It's uh, these these things last like 20 years, right? Oh, okay, like, so yeah. the generation is like anybody who was born between like 1982 and 2002, right? Yeah. That's a pretty so, wide range, yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty wide range, and it covers a lot of ground, and it, it's meaningless. Like, it's a meaningless distinction. Like, there was nothing about me growing up with, like, Ninja Turtle action figures that compares to, like, somebody who grew up with, like, you know, a Tamagotchi in with them when they were, like, six months old, yeah. right? Yeah. Or somebody who grew up, like, texting people. Yeah. Like, I, didn't have a, I didn't have a cell phone until my sophomore year of college. Yeah, you, you weren't just, on Snapchat and all that crap. No, you know? so it's like, I don't know. It's... Someone Whatever. tweeted out something like, don't talk to me unless you remember waiting till after 9 p.m. to make a free phone call. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's something like that. Yeah, like or like your first experiences with the Internet, like people would have to like yell at you to get off the Internet so they could make a phone call. Yeah, like that's 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 what I'm talking about. So that's why, like if you remember that, that I, I would say that you can't like millennials, you'd have to not ever have to deal with any of that shit, I would think. Right. But, like when you when you got your Internet over disks. Yeah. That. That's the real stuff right there. Yeah, you know, like piles uh, of AOL no, like, discs. I, it all doesn't make any sense. I mean, if it depends on how you're looking at it, but if you're looking at it from like cultural appraisal, so much stuff changes. I think if you're if you're basing it off of like the broader economic situation and you know how like the younger generation generally is looking at some some tougher times, then that maybe that makes sense to like broadly categorize everyone. But I think it's all just stupid. It's all, all just right. stupid nonsense sociology crap all right, all right. Well, we, we're on the home stretch i think we gotta get get moving here okay we have a text hey ryan and dave you've taken on the difficult task of talking college football in may through july and you've mostly been successful at keeping it entertaining oh i think there's a little shot thank you Shoot, both. And, and, and this is even before he's listening to this show right so it, <laughs> i think this one's been fairly entertaining um it's all questions so i, I like that stuff so, uh Thank you both for your fun stories and insights. In light of the Todd McNair decision, can you go in more depth about the sanctions against USC that accelerated their fall from prominence slash national contention? As a Bruin faithful, I was more than willing to accept quote uh, the quote Trojans are cheaters narrative, but I know the story is more complicated than that. Can you ex- help explain what happened, whether the sanctions were quote unquote fair, i.e. were was USC unfairly sanctioned when compared to other schools committing similar violations? If the sanction slash process wasn't fair, is USC or other Pac-12 schools vulnerable to similar treatment in the future? Thanks again, guys. Keep up the good work. Um, you want me to give thoughts first, Dave, or do you want to say anything? Or I would love to hear your thoughts about okay. this. Okay. But so more, ta- I would love to hear Dan's thoughts about this. Oh, this would be very good. Yeah, so Todd McNair, if you don't know, defamation lawsuit against the NCAA. Uh, he found in favor of the NCAA. They tried to go for defamation, which for a public figure – there's it's really it's like only happened a couple of times in the last 30 years to get a you know positive uh, result from something like that. For some reason, there was other um, claims that they the, his lawyers dropped that would have been easier to um, prove. Uh, they they 
followed the letter of the law and they just couldn't go through. There was like nine questions you have to say yes to. They couldn't say yes to all of them. So they found in favor of Todd McNair. Well, you talked to the, we talked to some of the jurors afterwards. They all felt that he was wronged, but they weren't, it wasn't enough to prove defamation. So I think the general consensus that we've kind of talked about this from the very beginning, it seemed like they had it out to try to get USC. There was the Reggie Bush thing, which was not, USC didn't pay to get Reggie Bush into school. It wasn't like Cam Newton got paid to go to Auburn and win a championship. A wannabe lawyer, a wannabe agent was trying to pay Reggie Bush and his family to get him out of school and go to the NFL. So he should have, he, he took imp, uh, improper benefits. He didn't help uh, and um, work with the NCAA at all. So they kind of, you know, hit him hard. Um, but usually something like that, if a guy's ineligible, it's usually a couple of scholarships. It wasn't like, it, it wasn't some major scandal as far as everything else goes, but they, they needed to connect someone at USC who knew about it. So they said it was Todd McNair. All the evidence doesn't really show that Todd McNair knew anything about this, but it seemed like the NCAA sort of railroaded him. That's why Todd McNair was suing. He hasn't worked since then. So do I think the sanctions were fair? No, I mean, they should have been sanctioned. They had a player that had improper benefits, but usually the, the typical uh, penalty for something like that was a couple of scholarships. Um, that didn't happen with Reggie Bush. It was, 30 scholarships and two-year bull ban and all this other, you know, and free agency where they just allowed people to transfer out who were juniors or above. So yes, it, it compared to everything else that's happened with North Carolina and what was going on in Miami and all that stuff. This was the weirdest, most out of sync uh, sanctions around. So there was stuff that were, that was wrong, but it wasn't like nothing that showed, Oh, USC was like paying players to come to USC. It was more about, improper benefits for a player that was going to leave USC. So that's my kind of take on. So the analysis I always read at the time, and I mean, this is, again, I I so don't care about any of this, but the analysis I read at the time was the way the sanctions fell and read was that they were punishing USC for the stuff they could prove and the stuff they suspected but could not prove. And so there was other stuff that they couldn't prove at all but that they suspected. And so they were kind of doing, they were kind of going overboard and in the kind of capricious manner, the NCAA acts, they probably overstepped in that way because they couldn't prove some of this stuff, but there was like, and I'm not going to get back into the Carroll era stuff, but there was a lot of speculation at the time of various other improprieties that were not like proven or not anywhere near to the level of, um, you know, controversy is Reggie Bush, but there was other stuff with guys living off campus and places they couldn't afford. And the thing, the, the reason I don't get excited about this is because it happens everywhere. Like it's everywhere. Guys show up to school, where driving cars they shouldn't be driving, or they probably don't. There's no way they bought that car for themselves. Right. But um, there was all that kind of stuff. And I think, you know, you're probably right to an extent that, you know, the USC, uh, they were looking to, you know, probably punish USC, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's tough to prove a lot of this stuff and maybe they should limit themselves and probably should to only stuff they can prove. But I mean, I, I, I think, you know, USC fans have a, have their, obviously their point, which is that other schools have done worse and not gotten punished as severely or have done provably worse, you know, the North Carolina cheating scandal being worse, uh, from a provable standpoint. But, um, 
there was a lot of, I mean, I, and maybe I'm completely off because this was 14 years ago, but there was a lot of noise, even though there wasn't anything else proven, right? Yeah, I think there was some some noise, but there wasn't, like, I, I think when you're talking about, are you trying to help a team win? So if you're paying players to come there, like Cam Newton, whatever, got like $200,000 to come, like his dad wasn't able to go to the Heisman ceremony, but they didn't find, they said that, um, you know, that Cam didn't know about it, so it was okay. So, so he was paid to go to Auburn, <laughs> right? And, and they won a national championship. They were terrible, won a championship with him. So it's like that's pretty major. Or you know, if you're trying to keep all your athletes eligible by bogus classes and stuff, that stuff is like you're helping your teams win. If you're talking about impermissible benefits for uh, you know players that are going to leave, that doesn't strike me as 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 big of a deal. But certainly, it's against the rules, and you should be punished for all that kind of stuff. Um, it's, I, I think USC kind of hit the thing where they were, you're talking about the rise of the SEC and USC's dominating college football. If you were, if you were doing that in the SEC at the time, there's no way you couldn't have done it without major cheating. Right. I mean, I just don't think on the West coast, USC has so many inherent advantages already. I'm not saying no one ever cheats. I don't think you need to cheat as much on the West Coast in doing things. You can you can do things and not cheat like nearly as much as you would have to do at LSU or Alabama or places like that. It's just a different like all the things you bag on the Pac-12 for. It's sort of happy. You, know, you don't need to do that. There's not that kind of competitive. There's not an Alabama and LSU all in your footprint. It's just a different aspect, at least to me. That's my thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody in the Pac-12 is cheating at the level of like any SEC school, probably. Um, I, but at the same time, everyone is cheating, like at least a little, like in some small way, some yeah. big way, whatever. You're making an extra is. text or whatever you're doing. Like whatever, like, yeah. like the small violations or slipping some kids some cash because they need food on the weekends. That's cheating. And it's stupid, but it's cheating. And like, I would say most schools are doing something like that. Um, but all of that stuff, um, yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I think the SEC schools are far and away worse. Um, this whole thing, I just, it's, you know, USC got hit with, it's not the death penalty, but it was like the, what was it, the next closest thing, basically? The, yeah, the, it was, I mean, the, basically the, worst the second thing, harshest punishment since SMU. Right, the worst thing since then. And, I mean, Reggie Bush is still not allowed to be acknowledged on campus. It's like, and that's whole that whole thing is crazy. Yeah, like, that whole thing is nuts. Um, Reggie Bush is like, I mean, he's such a formative player for like all of these. And I, I, I again got to say it: all of these kids who are like sixteen now, they still talk about Reggie Bush, which is like they baffling. still talk about him. And that's nuts. Yeah, he was like a, a pretty decent NFL player, but like his best years were literally twelve years ago. And you've got still recruits to this day talking about how cool he was to watch. Um, so that's, that's all silly, but, um, yeah, I can't care about any of this stuff. Like I cannot care about cheating in college sports. I know I should. I know it's a, it's, I know UCLA fans will get mad at me. I just can't care. Yeah. Uh, we had a good tweet. Uh, I know we got to go, but, uh, from at happy, uh, happy face malts. So that tweet I said about, uh, Oregon State having more wins than Washington since 2000. He said, OSU never had Rick Neuheisel. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> uh, we got a question from Justin. You ready for this? Yeah. 
Question, seven-footers blocking field goals. This is my kind of question. Love this. I've always wondered this. Why doesn't a school try the following? Recruit the school's basketball team's tallest player, hopefully a seven-footer, to come in on special teams and try to block field goals and extra points. I'm guessing 98% of kicks go unblocked, so what does it hurt to try something like this? Best case scenario, your team has a huge advantage in close games. I like it, Justin. USC's used some other taller offensive linemen at times to do that. I think Zach Banner, who's like 6'8", might have blocked a couple. Um, But they haven't brought in a basketball player to do that. Uh, But I don't know. I haven't heard of anyone doing that. And it's it's something that's so quirky, and I can see very conservative-minded coaches, which almost all of them are, saying, oh, we don't want a guy out there who doesn't know how to play football because what if they decide that they're going to fake it? Um, and I could a hundred percent see the reason wh- that that's the reason why none of this stuff ever happens. But yeah, this seems like an obvious choice, right? Some seven footer with like a, you know, a seven, five wingspan out there yeah. jumping up. Think about the angle you'd have to get on like a, especially like one of the, the deeper kicks, like say you're trying to kick from 40 or out, like you've got to get some flatness on that trajectory to get the distance. So if you've got a seven-footer out there, I mean, you're probably leaving a few of those short that you wouldn't otherwise be, even if you're not getting them blocked. So, yeah, do this, coaches. Come on. Yeah. Well, they should be going for it on fourth down anyway, right, according to you? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, yeah. I And I think just have, like, especially if you put a guy in and he blocks one, like, early in the season, you probably impact almost every other kick against you for the rest of the season. Like, you're thinking about it, right? Oh, yeah. So you might – off a little to the left, off a little to the right, you end up hooking it or something. So, yeah, I think if it, especially if it worked once or twice, then you would have an impact for the rest of the season. Absolutely. Uh, We had a question. This is from Bernie. Question for Ryan. Tracy Pearson wrote this week, uh, if we're talking about products on the field too, we'd put up a Chip Kelly coached UCLA product over a Clay Helton coached USC product any day. What is your opinion of this statement? Do you know what context this was in? Like, I don't. I would so like. I mean, I would have to look at the teams. I'm not going to say like in general, but like looking at this year, I would pick going into the season. I would pick the USC product to beat the UCLA product, but I'm not saying that would be for 2019 or beyond. So, I don't think you know Chip Kelly trumps everything. I think just they're not going to be no. as talented. Yeah, this year. I mean, I would. Yeah, I, I I would agree with that very much. So. Um, I think maybe the point he was trying to make, I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't remember reading this on the message board, so I can't, I can't comment, but maybe he meant like a Chip Kelly coach team over that same team coached by Clay Helton. And then obviously I think you yeah, both take the Chip easy. Kelly coach yeah. team. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, obviously not this year. Uh, maybe, you know, every year following depending yeah, on what it, he can put together. In it UCLA, could very but, well be. Yeah. I mean, it could be yeah, this year. But, Who knows? You know, but. Yeah, this year, I mean, it could happen. Depends on what USC's quarterback situation is and, you know, whether in addition to Jack Jones, they lose like five other starters. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. All right, All right, question for Dave. Will Mike Juarez ever have a significant role at UCLA? Will he ever be a first-team starter? Um, I think he's going to have a role this year. And will he ever be a starter? Yeah. Let's say it. Yeah, I think he will. Um, he's going. To, he, he's gotten his. He's gotten himself in shape um, for probably 
the first time in his UCLA career. He came in as a true freshman, overweight, and then had to sit out for some time with some personal stuff. Um, then last year he was working himself back into shape, was starting to get it under control. And then this spring, I think with the new strength and conditioning staff and with the new coaching staff, he's kind of been able to turn over a new leaf. So I think there's a lot in his favor there. Um, and, uh, uh, he's starting to regain a little bit of that, um, ability he had as a high school senior. So yeah, I think, uh, I think there's a decent chance there. All right. We have two left. The last one is is more Rick Neuheisel. Do you want to read that one, or would you rather read Zach's? I'll read Zach's. Okay. All right, this is from uh, several off-season musings, Zach in NYC. Hey, Ryan and Dave. While I haven't emailed as much during the off-season, I've still been listening every week. Good job staying consistent this year. While I am a big fan of the beautiful game, soccer, I do agree with Ryan that those who evangelize about soccer and really anything else are generally annoying. But Dave's recent rants have forced me out of my off-season hibernation to troll you both <laughs> with soccer-themed questions. Football questions. I'm surprised he didn't say football-themed football questions. <laughs> uh, one, Dave, do you think UCLA has the type of pacey players required to adequately spread the pitch in Chip's offense? So to translate for all of those who enjoy real sports... <laughs> Uh, the kind of fast and quick players to spread the field in Chip's offense. Um, probably not the ideal set of PC players. Um, I think Theo Howard gives them one guy who's got kind of that stop and start quickness that'll give them, you know, a little bit on those short kind of routes. Um, I think... Uh, the running backs are probably the issue. Um, I don't think anybody in that group is blessed with an overabundance of quickness and speed at this point. I think Casimir Allen is a true freshman, um, kind of a track guy. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he looks in August. Cause I think he could carve out a pretty big role for himself. Cause I don't see a running back on the roster who necessarily is a perfect fit for what Chip Kelly wants to do. Um, but, uh, Theo Howard, I would think, is going to turn into um, a pretty big weapon in his offense. He's pacey. He is pacey. He's super pacey. Um, which team has the best kits in the conference? And if you were designing kits for your alma maters, which design would you go with? Uh, to translate again, a kit is a uniform. Um, so dumb. So dumb. It's so dumb. <laughs> it's so dumb. We Like a kit. In, in actual American English is something very specific that is not a uniform. It's, it's like a, a tool set. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a specific tool set for a specific thing. It's not a uniform. It's not something you wear. It's not a shirt. All right, anyway. Who has, um, so who has the best uniforms? Who do you like? Whose uniforms do you like? I mean, UCLA gets a lot of credit for their uniforms. I think they're back to being pretty good with the Under Armour. Um. I'm trying to think. I, I, I've never been a huge fan of the Oregon switcheroos and all that no. kind of stuff. Um, I like more classic stuff. I, I like when like USC and UCLA play each other in their homes. Yeah. Those are always good. Um, yeah. Stanford's I think it, pretty clean. Stanford's clean. Washington State's usually pretty clean. I kind of um, like Oregon State's with the like the Halloween sort of stuff going on sometimes. That's pretty cool. 
that's pretty cool. Utah has some good ones, like the last, like they're all. I'm a, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going with the homer bet here. I'm just going to UCLA. All right, nice. And uh, if I was designing kits, which design would I go with? Um, I mean, I would go with the you know the classic blue and 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 gold. But I I don't, I don't know where do you, where do you stand on this? I don't care. I don't I don't like kits. I don't honestly. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I do not care. I, I do not care about uniforms or cheating. So that makes me like that's that might be why I never got into message board life until I actually started working one working for one because I don't care about uniforms or cheating and that's like about ninety five percent of the topics on an average football message board. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, three, Dave, I know there has been a history of UCLA players getting injured at Spalding and Adidas has been indirectly blamed due to their shoddy products. But has there been any comments about the quality of the boots provided by Under Armour? So the boots here are the, the cleats. Can we just the... skip this? <laughs> uh, I haven't heard anything about Under Armour uh, and their boots. Uh, four, Ryan, what is the most capped that's uh, experienced part of the S- the SUC team this year. I think he means the. He's got it as dollar sign UC. I think he means. Oh US. yeah. The most. What's capped? the most experienced part? The most. Which who who has the most caps? Oh, the cap. So caps is like a game you play. Like mm. if you if you play a game, that's a cap. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Oh. Okay. Um. Uh, probably on the defensive side, maybe like the secondary, even with Jack Jones gone, um, there's a lot, you know, with, uh, Iman Marshall's back for a senior year, Jana Harris, uh, um, Marvell tell, I think I would go with the USC secondary. It's got, they got a lot of freaking caps. Five. If you could bring in one gaffer, that can't be real. Like that's not an actual real word for a coach. No, that's gotta be bullshit. That no way. If you could bring in one gaffer to turn around Oregon state, who would it be? I mean, I, I like our Ken Nayomatololo. Yeah, that would have been good. Um, I'd I go put, that. I'd go with a Paul Johnson. I'd go with any triple option guy, really. What about like a Chip Kelly or something, you know? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Or, you know, if you can get like um, a Scott Frost, that'd be cool, too. Yeah. Anybody who's going to bring a scheme advantage. I don't know if Jonathan Smith is that guy. Yeah. Six, which team will have the most clean sheets this year? <laughs> um, so who's? So this could mean two things. Who's going to have the most shutouts, or which team is going to shit the bed the least? Because you see what I did there? Ah, yes. The most clean sheets, meaning they've shit the bed the least, <laughs> because their sheets are not covered in feces. I like it. Um, hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of over Washington. This. Washington, yeah. Oregon State Seven, might... lastly, how many years until UCLA wins the LA Derby? 2019. Yeah, they, they could do that in 2019. LA Derby? I don't even know what... I can't. I can't do it anymore. All right, you want to read this final one and then we'll get the hell out of here? Sure, Hector. Seriously, David, just because UCLA wasn't able to step up and bring UCLA a Rose Bowl victory, you can't put that on Rick. I mean, he plays the guitar after all. What more do you want? I I like this so far. I'm sure his uh, minstrel skills helped bring my beloved dogs home its last Rose Bowl title. Uh, hope this was the right mix of vulgar and snarky to get your guys' attention. Really, unfortunately, this is like the last thing we're reading, and we're like two hours in, so it's it's hard to keep our attention right now. But do you, do you know we're only like an hour and forty into this thing. What? This it, it feels extremely long. I think it's because I'm exhausted. You're tired. I'm I'm like 
my mind's on my vacation. I'm just ready to go. Um, but this we're giving you, hey, listen, listeners, we're giving you the really good stuff today. <laughs> That's what we're doing. I'm I'm exhausted. I'm slurring. Ryan isn't even paying attention to the show we're doing. <laughs> this is what you pay those big non-dollars for. I I really was over like the soccer stuff. I just like okay. Oh, you were ready to be out on that after question two. Yeah, I would. This I just had enough of it. Um, but I thought this show's been actually good. I think it's been pretty entertaining. So I've enjoyed it. So let us know. I, if you... I think it's more just like I kind of like want to just go to sleep right here, right now oh. is kind of infecting my impression of this show. Maybe. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll wrap it up. So first uh, of really first of I think it means first of all, really love the show, even though you continue to take shots at Browning. I mean, seems pr- petty considering KJ Carter Samuels would rather start at CSU than stay in Westwood. Not to mention USC. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, not to mention USC is on a pace to start a prepubescent boy <laughs> next year. Makes y'all sound awful jelly. Oh, this is good. Since wow. large chunks of the show now consist of Dave complaining about soccer and Olympic sports, <laughs> I thought I'd suggest a new show idea. College football rivalries, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, are what makes this sport so great. I, I agree with you there. There's nothing like tribalism to bring out the best and worst in humanity. The only thing better than winning is rubbing a win in your buddy's face. It would be great to do a Pac-12 rivalry series similar to your breakdown of the state of the program. Perhaps top 10 rivalries in the conference. I would suggest bringing former players or extreme homers from each team on the show to battle it out. For example, Dave uh, Softy Mahler representing UW. Who's that? I don't know who that is. And one He's, of the clowns from fishduck.com from Oregon. These questions could be as such. All right. So he has four. Discuss the historical background of the rivalry. How was the rivalry forged? What are the key moments that have defined this rivalry over time? What are the cultural norms? And how does each fan base or team engage each other? Uh, are these friendly or bitter exchanges? Which program, if any, is currently domi- dominating the rivalry? And how can the other program turn the tables? And as a fan, what single thing should scare him or her most about their rival? Mm. What do you think, Dave? I don't know. So I, I, those questions are, I think, decent ones. And I think those could elicit some good shows. I don't know if we necessarily want to have extreme homers from each team on the show to discuss it. I Like, I don't think, like, these are kind of, like, topics for, like, Oh, this could be an interesting and informative show, but if you've got two like just kind of crazy folks yelling at each other the whole time about nonsense, I don't know that this is like necessarily the best, right? Like, I don't know if these are the great best discussion topics for that stuff. Probably. Right? Like, if it was like a USC UCLA thing, it'd be like, all right, UCLA fan, how much does USC cheat? Like on a scale from one to ten, and then they can say an eleven, and right. then the USC fan can say, oh, well. 11. Oh, that's interesting. Is that the number of national championships we have? Uh, and then, you know, it can go back and forth like that. Um, but if you're like discussing the historical background and all that stuff, I think that's more educational. I think that would be more like, you know, people who have like kind of a historical bent on this stuff. And right? maybe like a message board or Twitter discussion, like for some of this stuff would be good. I don't know if like. Yeah. And honestly, I find the like guys ranting at each other it's unlistenable for me. I don't listen to sports talk radio cause I think it's terrible. Um, and most of the time it is because it's just like, 
I've got a take now. I've got to argue with you about your take and the whole thing. And it's just like, for the most part, Ryan and I agree on this show, which like, you know, according to like radio metrics would make this unlistenable, but I don't think it is. So I don't know. I, I find that whole thing kind of tiresome. Yeah. I agree with you there. That it would, uh, it would just be difficult to try to wrangle all those people and, and, you know, I'm not saying we wouldn't do things that are hard. We've done some things that are have been more difficult, but I don't know, like the risk reward there, or you know, what we would get out of it. I think it'd be better, like on a message board thing or a, you know, Twitter discussion, things like that. Um, Twitter is the best possible place for talking shit to opposing fans. Like, if you really want to get into some trolling, and I am not above trolling on Twitter. Um, that's the place to do it. You, not not necessarily in podcast form. You've done a few trolls on the Twitters. I would say so. I've done a couple in my time. I would say I've trolled a little. Not a lot. Not every day. Every other day. <laughs> Mostly because I don't tweet every day. I'm not an active tweeter in the off season. No. Someone took no. a shot at you for like not like they they tweeted us something it was like i, I will know. have you know big easy 206 that i read that tweet <laughs> i read it soon after it came in how soon after i can't say but <laughs> relatively all right i actually just said his name from memory and it is correct i was correct big easy 206 i was what was it can you what was the tweet he about he said <clears throat> he said and i quote um it'd be easier and this is in response to your tweet. You guys sent in a record number of questions this week. Hey, it's friggin' May. Go outside and play, people. Oh, new episode dropping later this evening. And then you have uh, the thank God image of some Eagles player. And then Big Easy 206 says, it'd be easier if your millennial co-host would help out and stop writing your ho- coattails. Yes, I'm talking about Dave. And you can tell him what I said since we both know he isn't logging into this account anytime soon. <laughs> and if I had ever logged out of this account, Big Easy 206, you'd be correct because I do not remember the password. <laughs> however, however, it is saved in my phone and I do still check it just to dismiss those notifications that are very annoying. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like I got a bunch of love here. You got a lot of love. I got a lot of hatred. And the, the, the shameful part of it is I can't even remember the reason why people are mad at me. You know, like Thomas, I couldn't remember what I had said to offend him. The other guy who said I had said something snarky about Utah. Can't remember it. Don't know. Maybe I did. That sounds right. No, I, I don't think, know. I think that one was when you were talking about who USC, UCLA struggles with. I think uh, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't think you said you dominated. I think you... I said something. If I'm if I'm carving back into like the 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 recesses of my mind from eight days ago, I think I said something like UCLA struggles with Utah seemingly consistently. I think they might have a winning record against Utah, but oh, they're okay. always in single score games. Right. And then he was informing me that Utah has a four three advantage over UCLA right. since joining the league. And so I think he was he was getting his back up about that a little, not a lot, obviously. Yeah. So UCLA uh, doesn't have so, a winning record against Utah, yeah. and you thought they might. I thought they might. Yeah. Which I think is a fair assessment of a four-three advantage, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean it's, yeah, it's very close. Yeah. Close, right? Yeah. Um. So. Anyway. 
It wasn't close to the last year. I won't remember game. this show about a day from now, so who knows? <laughs> there was some somebody uh, tweeted me something very nice about how I um, had a great understanding of like the market rate for salaries. Like it was this really nice quote, and I was like, "Huh, I, I have no memory of saying anything about this." So wow, that's great that I had that understanding. I I don't even know what you're talking about, right? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Well, get on yeah. the Twitters if you want to uh, talk about the rivalries and stuff. Uh, maybe we'll talk about it at some point, but I don't think uh, we'll see. I don't know, man. This was like a full-on, all-question, two-hour pack show. All those questions came in the last week. Like, that's insane. Yeah, these were really good. Um, people should keep doing this, actually, even though we sometimes insult you and we sometimes talk shit about your questions and we're, we're generally just kind of mean people. Um, mostly because we're not going to have, like, a whole lot of topics to discuss until about august so keep them coming people yeah we like it i think we might have said shit a record number of times on this one too yeah i uh i think i've read it twice like like is it it too late to say earmuffs (laughs) i think it's too late it's probably too late sorry sorry our many our many underage listeners yeah Oh, it's spread over two hours though all the words that we said like it's not a very high percentage but we did say it a number of times I do think so. I think it was more often. Yeah. And I and I can remember at least one instance of avoiding saying it, which like is not a good sign because that if it still felt like we said it a lot and I can remember once avoiding saying it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I read it at least like twice in emails and stuff. I didn't I just said it. I didn't uh but then I think I've said it myself a few times too. I don't think you've said it a couple of times. Was, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. I'm heading off to Catalina, Dave. You've never been. You're, when, you know, you come back out here. We got to go to Catalina together. We can do a show on Catalina. That'd be fun. Yeah, we'll just have a buddy's trip to Catalina. We'll record a podcast of champions, and it'll be amazing. It would be like in one of those bars, like in Avalon, or driving around on one of the golf carts. That would be great. We could do that. It'd be great, and all the locals will be like, "I, I have no idea who these people are," but they keep talking about how they're going to record a podcast as if that's a thing. Who is this Jake Browning guy? You guys keep talking about. oh that sounds stupid awesome all right well that's david woods i'm ryan abraham if you don't know this by now we're two hours and a minute in but thank you so much for listening to the podcast of champions and we will talk to you next time